Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And I guess welcome back to the Resident Evil franchise. I have um, feel like it's been a while. I think it's been a while. And all I've had in my head are like 80s British adverts, like for Yellow Pages or Hovis, like good old Resident Evil. And <laughs> I guess... Unlike like Ridley Scott's iconic advert where a boy is pushing a bicycle up a super tall hill with a basket full of bread. Instead of bread, we've got T and G virus as <laughs> the little boys <laughs> delivering it to your family. But um, the film today, Rory, what, what Resident Evil treat do we have with us today? We are discussing the first full length CG animated movie in the Resident Evil series. It's Resident Evil Degeneration. And uh, as you mentioned, it's been a little long while and we were wondering what to do for our next episode. And it was, I think I said, when in doubt, do a Resident Evil movie because there's plenty of them to do. And it's familiar territory for us, at least. Yeah, we're we're Resident Evil fans. I'm I'm sorry if you're like, oh, God, not another Resident Evil film. (laughs) Um, I was actually trying, you know, although I've got the video box here, it says... I've already forgotten. It's degeneration. I keep thinking, wanting to do things like deforestation or um, Resident Evil degrad. Is this is called degradation? No, degeneration. Degradation. <laughs> You've got the bots in front of you. You can just I know. Read but it. what does this mean? I mean, it's not even a spoiler to say. I, I don't see anything. No one even says this is just like a a degeneration or something. They just grab titles. It sounds Resident Evil. I guess they were competing against Paul W.S. Anderson's own titles because they were like, should we call it Resident Evil Apocalypse? No. Resident no. Evil Extinct? No. Resident Evil Retribute? No. <laughs> so... I guess it's set at an airport waiting room for some of it, so it could just be called Resident Evil Waiting Room. Destination? Resident Evil Destination? Well, we there is the, the latest animated outing, of course, is, is it Dead Island? Death Island. Death Island. And that's in the same canon as this, wouldn't it be? Yes. So unlike the Paul W.S. Anderson movies, these CG films exist within the canon of the main game series. And we've previously done Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, which in some respects is a sequel to this. So this movie is set between Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 5, as is Infinite Darkness, which has Leon and Claire as the main characters. That was the Netflix animated series. And so too does this Resident Evil Degeneration have Leon and Claire uh, from the Resident Evil 2 video game reuniting here. And as Resident Evil 2 is a particular favourite of mine mm. of the series it's probably the one which i've played the most and the one that chimes with me the most 
the um the thrill of seeing Leon and Claire you know together again um was something which I guess piqued my interest when I originally did see this film uh I guess not too long after it's DVD release. I think it got a cinema release limited in Japan. Um, and then, yeah, I think some DVD uh, in other territories primarily. Yeah, I distinctly remember that having sat through several live action Resident Evil films and not terribly, and, and feeling like, well, this is, I guess this is like its own little universe. To I was, I was actually really hyped about this film because it was it was set in the universe and that was kind of a novelty to have something yeah. so close. I mean, it looks, it looks like a cutscene, isn't it? Uh, for, for good or ill. It looks yes. like what if, what if you never got to the title screen? <laughs> if it just kept on going. Probably, you know, like a Hideo Kojima game or something. I, I was listening to a podcast recently and they mentioned that Death Stranding has a 90 minute cutscene at, at one oh point. God. So, and then you die a second after the boss begins. Can you imagine yeah. it's like an unskippable cutscene before a boss? <laughs> it should be stated that a major selling point for the Resident Evil games were their cutscenes. And I mean, the only thing we could compare it to was like Toy Story. I remember, like, oh, it's like having an ultraviolet Toy Story episode mm. stuck into your video game. Uh, it, but it was, I, you know, a major selling point of Resident Evil Code Veronica starring Claire Redfield was that wicked cool opening where she's running like through an umbrella compound and a helicopter is mm. machine gunning her, chasing her. And then there's a bit where she's got her hands up, her guns in one hand, she drops the gun, but then also manages to fall faster than her own gun to grab it and shoot uh, exploding barrels, which happen to be in the foyer of the building. <laughs> and, they think they they actually replicated that scene in the film Resident Evil uh, Apocalypse, and mm-hmm. so yeah, like at the time, got to remember an ultra long video game cutscene was not something which would roll your eyes at if you were the target audience, which we were. Yeah, and uh, the animation for this film was actually done by a company called Digital Frontier who did work on cutscenes for the Resident Evil GameCube remake in 2002, as well as another Capcom game, Killer7. And since they, they continue to do cutscenes for... They did cutscenes for the Resident Evil 2 remake, actually, uh, the Resident Evil 3 remake, and various Yakuza and Tekken games. Um, and they've also done work on, on quite a few Mamoru Hosoda films like Summer Wars, Wolf Children, Mirai, and Bell. So they're quite established as I guess I, I was watching a behind the scenes on this and and there wasn't at least at the time probably a lot of full C full length feature film CG animations made in Japan. It was very much, I suppose, more of a uh you know American um operation, at least at the time of this film coming out in two thousand and eight. But uh, it's pertinent talking about this and Infinite Darkness this week. We've had a bunch of Netflix animation video game adaptation shows. Um, We don't often do TV series on the podcast, so we haven't talked about Cyberpunk Edgerunners or Tekken Bloodline uh, or even the Shenmue series on Crunchyroll, but... um, 
There was a bunch of new trailers. So the week that we're recording this, Castlevania Nocturne came out, and we have done Castlevania. I watched the first episode. Okay, how was it? Yeah, um, it was great, actually. To do a vampire joke, there seems to be a bit of fresh blood. Uh, and I've, I, but it is like just the first episode, and it's mainly biting a lot of vampires. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. And yeah, there were some trailers as well in this Netflix drop zero one for forthcoming shows like Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix, which yeah. uh, is also from Adi Shankar, who we mentioned before in relation to producing Castlevania that comes out. 19th of October, and that is using a bunch of Ubisoft properties and characters, um, Blood Dragon being that Far Cry 3 spin-off, but you get cameos from Rayman as a news reporter, yeah. a newscaster, and you've got a little um, frog version of Ezio Adatore, I think, from Assassin's Creed. Uh, it I looks didn't know that. Army. But I, yeah, I who knows if it's it. actually good bonkers as opposed to just like annoying bonkers. It's, I'm assuming there's going to be F-bombs in that. And I'm just thinking, yep, this is like a Rayman game, a Rayman product, let's say, with lots of swearing and F-bombs. I, I We recently screened the Super Mario Bros. movie and I sort of forgot Yoshi gets stabbed in that. And uh, <laughs> no Yoshi stabbings happened in the Mary Brothers movie, which came out this year. Talking of stabbings, there's also <laughs> on, <laughs> there's also Onimusha, based on the Capcom uh, sort of samurai monster demon uh, series, which is an anime, but it's also directed by Takashi Miike, uh, who we've mentioned in relation to phoenix wright he also did the yakuza like a dragon movie and made a voice cameo appearance in the animal crossing movie um so uh he's uh yeah and the, the sort of the model of the main character is based on toshiro mufune um the you know famous most for his work with akira kurosawa uh so yeah that looks kind of interesting there's also scott pilgrim takes off which is the new adaptation, again, of the Scott Pilgrim series. We obviously talked about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, very much with the same creative team producing and also all the original cast members from that Edgar Wright movie reprising their roles, but in animated form. And I think, who knows, this might actually be... I've always, I sort of said in that episode, between the graphic novel series and the film... There is somewhere the perfect, and maybe the video game, there is somewhere the sort of perfect version of Scott Pilgrim, and maybe this is that. So I'm intrigued. Yeah, they all sound about, what, 10, 15 years older now as well? <laughs> Though I shouldn't really say that. I've I've decided I'm not even watching the trailer for the new Chicken Run film because of the recasting yeah. of, not Mel Gibson, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, or Julius Sawala. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. But yes, Um, worry, gosh, reboots of Scott Pilgrim, yet more Resident Evil movies. Do you sometimes feel life's not worth living? (laughs) It's just (laughs) a spiral. Endless spiral. Um, Yeah, I mean, there there are a couple of small teasers for uh, Devil May Cry animation, um, also from Adi Shankar, and also... Tomb Raider, The Legend of Lara Croft uh, on Netflix, which I'm not sure how that sits in with the Tomb Raider deal that um, was struck for Amazon Prime 
Um, but I think that Met's maybe more live action and this is the animated version. A little bit disappointed that it seems to be just from this very early tease retelling the what's known as the Survivor trilogy as in the most recent set of Tomb Raiders, uh, which was adapted with Alicia Vikander in the first of those movies, which I guess, you know, didn't go anywhere, unfortunately. Well, it's called The Legend of Lara Croft. So maybe she's like just going into her own bedroom, like investigating the sock drawer and discovering (laughs) artifacts. Or maybe she just goes for a boozy night out with friends and they're like, oh, Lara, you legend. (laughs) Yeah, let's go axe throwing or archery. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So anyway. Lots of lots of stuff which we may or may not get round to, but um, Lara Croft married. She's on a he- she's on a hen night marrying Indiana Jones. Yes, there's an age gap, but <laughs> <laughs> deal with it. But returning back to the world of Resident Evil, um, Degeneration, as I said, was the first feature length CG animation. Uh, but there was a short before that released in 2000 a japan only release as it was playing primarily i think in theme parks and i guess i don't know what you call wacky cinemas what you'd say like 4d seats or, or that kind of stuff i'm not sure rory's wacky cinemas <laughs> with like marmite flavored popcorn actually you can get that sounds lush yeah um yeah i don't know an upside down hot dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah you mainly eat the bun. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a bread roll wrapped inside some meat. It's like a reverse hot dog. Mm, delicious. Yeah, this was Biohazard 4D Executor. It's only about twenty minutes long. I don't know if you Sounds watched like it. Oh god, you know it's all bled together now. I bet I did. I mean, Resident Evil Four was, I think, as we've established, was the game which really brought me back into the Resident Evil franchise. I did very much like to, but and and you know, as a zombie movie fan, like I liked zombies before they were cool. Uh, um, so I liked anything zombie related, but I did find the tank controls really frustrating. And the, I just lost count of the amount of times that I felt I died unfairly. But Resi 4, you know, you could go for the headshots as Leon is such a fan of in this film. So, yeah. So I probably did, is what I'm trying to say. But Okay, but you didn't... I, I, I can remember it. You didn't watch it, like... In preparation. Okay. No. Uh, so... Gosh, no. I watched this film this morning, <laughs> like, over my with my bacon sandwich, hot coffee... 2008 CGI, the perfect combination. Well, Biohazard 4D Executor, um, it was leaked and you can watch it on YouTube. It's only about 20 minutes long. Uh, But with the title, it was a short film. You wear 3D glasses and then at certain theme parks, you would have 4D experience, which mainly meant every time there was a jump scare, your seat would recline and shake. And every time there's like cockroaches like on the screen surrounding the the character's feet or something like that, you get little air jets like, you know, hitting parts of your body or something to make it all extra creepy crawly. If somebody got bitten in the neck, does like one of the ushers come up and like, you know, (laughs) give you a love a love bite on the neck? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we saw T2 3D at um, Universal Studios. Yeah, one of the best I, things ever. 
I, I imagine it didn't have any sort of interactivity of actors like popping up and stuff. But the the 4D Executor, it's worth a watch because while again, you know, this we're talking 2000 CG, it's it's not greatest of animations, but I think it does have some interesting stuff. Like, um, it's all about a sort of team of umbrella soldiers who are trying to extract one of their scientists. Uh, turns out that scientist has turned into a big ugly monster. Um, you know, as you hey. would expect. <laughs> um, big ugly. All right, yes, just, just big monster. He's good big, looking for a monster. Big beautiful monster. He's on. He's on the website T Harmony. Look, trying to find other mutated monsters. Like, <laughs> he's looking for somebody to share his big eyeball with. <laughs> <laughs> there's some interesting directorial choices. There's some like POV from a cockroach's perspective and then from a rat's perspective and then from a crow's perspective, I guess, sort of yeah, trying to give you as much like 3D fun stuff as possible. Uh, it is also like horrifically graphic. It's probably the most disgusting uh, of any like Resident Evil sort of content I've seen in terms of just the amount of gore and people's oh. heads being like and ripped. This is at a theme park. Too. And this is at a theme park. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? God, God bless Japan. Um, like we've just, we're off, we're, they get off the Caterpillar ride <laughs> and then they're, they're off to. <laughs> hey kids. 4D Executor. I mean, you'd really vomit on the teacups after watching this, I think. <laughs> it's only 20 minutes if you can look it up on youtube it's it's definitely worth a watch as a as a piece of curious resident evil ephemera which um i think fans don't really consider it canon because the virus that features in that movie is far too powerful like it, it wouldn't work just wouldn't tg virus we get of like somebody just sat on this chair which is bouncing around the place and air is being fired into their face and just sort of stony face and like this doesn't track i i went to the robot restaurant in tokyo before it closed although it may have reopened somewhere else but it's a notorious like overpriced tourist trap but i knew this going in so i could enjoy it ironically you're kind of like sat in these rows and there's these big robot sort of displays happening people dancing and stuff but you can see like people opposite as well and there was this one he looked british i'm just gonna assume he is because you know did he announce that he's going for a late afternoon tea <laughs> like frederick uh frederick downing in this he's like so so odd to hear like this british voice appear in the middle of this film i just don't understand american humor Ooh. On the on the DVD uh, met, uh, extras, there's character profiles, and his character yes. profile ends with a British gentleman. <laughs> but anyway, the stony faced man at the robot cafe, yeah. which basically yeah. closed because of financial difficulties, not due to any sort of robot attack. I think it was primarily pandemic related, but um... okay, yeah, a lot of those robots are coming in thick. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't masking up. It's very hard to like vac vaccinate a robot, but yes, I, I, there's nothing more to say really about it. There was just I I very much just enjoyed watching all this whiz bangery and robot display, and there was just like a man sat there with, like holding his glow stick but not waving it. Um, <laughs> was he just, on his own? Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I just wanted a shepherd's pie and a pint of Guinness. He was probably like thought robot restaurant amazing. I'm going to get served food by a robot, and then it was just like this. Yeah, it basically just looked like the the Somerset carnivals, but uh, yeah, uh, with a few more laser guns and stuff. And he was just like probably spent about fifty quid on this like nonsense. <laughs> Hardly any of these robots are sexy. I was promised <laughs> sexy robots. <laughs> oh, that's next door. I can imagine in Japan that he's he just accidentally went to the wrong robot. He was meant mm. to he was meant to go to um, robot, like brothel. robot robot robo brothel <laughs> robo brothel <laughs> and then he ends up having sex with a pachinko machine. <laughs> <laughs> Jackpot! This is barely barely erotic. <laughs> And there's lots of uh, men smoking around, <laughs> staring at me. The White House sent a special agent to handle this mess. Who the hell are you? Leon S. Kennedy. Is it too much to hope you at least have some sort of a plan? Shoot them in the head. Get down! <sighs> Leon. Thank you. She's one of the rare survivors of Raccoon City. She has more experience with this kind of hellish nightmare than anyone else here. Claire, don't go! It's okay. I am gonna come back. What do you think the suits at the top are trying to cover up? It definitely reeks of terrorism. It remains a secret even within the company. They'll disperse a T-virus in every populated area in the U.S. This can't be happening. I'm gonna scrub this virus from the face of the Earth. So, Resident Evil Degeneration. Talking about degenerate behavior. Uh, this there we was. Go. There's the connection. There's the connection. It was released in 2008. And um, as I mentioned, this was sort of the producers sort of labeled it as sort of Resident Evil 4.5. And I've actually just um, finished playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. And this week, I think they've just released the Separate Ways DLC where you, you play as Ada Wong. So it's, uh, I guess, nice to go back to see um, what I like to call the Barbie and Ken of Resident Evil, Claire and Leon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. Okay. It's their first <laughs> reunion uh, since uh, Resident Evil 2 and Leon S. Kennedy in this film is played by Paul Mercier who played Leon in Resident Evil 4. And Claire Redfield mm. is played by Alison Court, who played Claire in the original Resident Evil 2, as well as Resident Evil Code Veronica. And then I guess there's a few other sort of key voice actor people. The character Angela is played by Laura Bailey, who's probably best known as Abby from The Last of Us Part 2, which won her a BAFTA. And Curtis is played mm -hmm. by Roger Craig Smith, who played Chris Redfield from Resident Evil 5 onwards, uh, as well as Sonic the Hedgehog. One likes chili dogs and makes fart gags. The other one is Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, this is not the time for farts or chili dogs. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is a very hot dog heavy episode. <laughs> and director Makoto Kamiya, he's, his background is primarily in visual effects. And I think that's why he was chosen for this because a lot of the animation uh, etc is done through mo-capping and facial capture 
Um, he did some cut scenes, I believe, for Dino Crisis 3, and most recently has done VFX work for, work for the Netflix series uh, Alice in Borderland. Yeah, he knew that. He knew to point the mocap cameras in the correct <laughs> direction because some people were making films where all the guys just standing around looking at monitors. It's like, hey, this, this is a crap film. <laughs> just like, oh, you need to stick the little balls on the suits? <laughs> I wonder what these bucket of little balls for. I thought it was Pachinko. <laughs> While this isn't based specifically on a game, um, this was released in 2008, so Resident Evil 5 was just around the corner the following year. And in a sense, some of this film sets up a little bit of Resident Evil 5. Uh, there are some mild references yeah. to Resident Evil 4. And there was a spin-off mobile game which was released... Yes, I read, for the N-Gage. Yes, um, which I never owned. I do remember playing it in, like, a sort of pop-up, you know, sort of thing where they're, like, trying to get people to play the N-Gage, and I, I gave it a go for a few minutes, and I thought, like, this isn't the future of mobile gaming. <laughs> no. Was, was it, like, is it Gil from The Simpsons? Like, come on, play <laughs> it, you know. It's the future of mobiles and gaming. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, it, it looked desperate. I, th I mean, it was. It's an interesting. I'm sure that um, in the next few years there'll be people doing Nokia Engage. Like, actually, it was quite good retrospectives, and it'll come back in a yeah. big way, like Walkmans. I'm not gonna lie. If I was at the pub and someone got a call on their Engage and took it out, I'll be like, "What? I want to spend." the rest of the day thinking of looking at this thing mad respect i mean it's like they're, they're... if you don't know what an engage is just imagine a piece of crap <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it was looked like yeah it was looked like a like cyber pasty it was like this yeah. half moon shaped console which seemed just really like difficult to hold even you know <laughs> yeah it seemed like what happens if you put mitts like a bad mobile phone with a bad games a handheld games console and yeah. two wrongs did not make a right um but uh yeah the the mobile game itself like the end game i watched some gameplay footage it doesn't look too bad um it's very sort of like functional sort of quite low polygons but you know I was think it like it... top down was it top down you're running around no, it was, it was like third person um okay. so it was replicating you know the Re resident evil 4 at the time so to speak um but obviously a little bit this limited is a, this is a, i mean we've done a james bond episode and i actually yesterday a new james bond game launched on the apple arcade and i had no idea this was even in development until yesterday and so i looked at some video footage and apparently the plot is you're trapped in James Bond's mind as he's going around like various settings from the films. And it's like, again, it's not what you want from a James <laughs> Bond game. I, a for like, I didn't expect that. I mean, like you could, the next Bond film, like you could just have him in a coma and him just re this. It's not a reboot, but we are going to revisit some old favorites. Mm, mm. I mean, wasn't that the plot? Ethan Hunt's there as well. <laughs> My rival. Uh, I'm meant to save the that world. Was, that, that's the plot of it's like a Star Trek episode, which does that when Riker is like during like the previous writer's strike, which has just ended at time of recording. Um, so like all those people are now running to the arcades to see what what games they can make films out of. 
<laughs> and we're writing those down. But yeah, there's a Star Trek episode where someone's in a coma, which effectively is Star Trek's only ever clip show. But anyway, we have gone from Resi to Bond to Star Trek. So let's get back on track. Uh, it's just like every episode of Games on Film. <laughs> yeah, we're finding more interesting things to talk about. And just, just in terms of what we find interesting, like they're referencing The Simpsons again. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, we've both got our 50p from CEX DVD special editions. No, did did you did yours come in a slipcase? Uh, no. And inside, see inside. This is how I learnt about the N-Gage game. There's a little flyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says Resident Evil Degeneration. Play us on mobile. It's like what? <laughs> uh, I've also T-Mobile. Oh, did you get a paintball? Yeah, voucher. I've got a paintball voucher. Wow, do you think that's still that's still? Uh, this is like Christmas. <laughs> the expiry date We've got a, is thirty. Nationwide of... pinball. Uh, you can claim your free three hundred pound paintball voucher for up to twenty people. Text code now to six three 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 three. I'm telling you the number because I want everyone listening to this <laughs> to try and claim. But it says uh, vouchers must be redeemed as a whole with the given expiry date 30th of June oh. 2009. Oh, never mind then. And I've also got Discover Blu-ray high definition movies um, yeah. which gives me recommendations of Hancock, You Don't Mess With The Zohan and Starship Troopers 3 Marauder. Oh, have you looked at the back? Oh, and Resident Evil Extinction. I've got Casino Royale. It's like they oh, yeah. knew that I was going to open it. My God. Wow. Oh, wow. The, the joys of next year. traveling back into the past of physical yeah. media. You don't get this stuff with a digital download, do you? Yeah. It was worth every penny of that 50p. I know. I Mine, mine is 50p, yours is 50p. It's like an extra pound to somebody's coffers. I appreciate how on the back of the box uh, they have Claire looking across the text as a scary zombie and it makes him look like he's like the main character. Yeah. He's just going, Bleh. And that that same zombie appears three times on the box. I know. Yeah. And I think he just has like a... Two, he's just another zombie. He's not even a featured zombie. He's like got two seconds of... Uh, screen time. I mean, whoever is that zombie's agent is clearly, you know, working very hard for their client. Um, yeah, like, I got you a speaking part. The speak, this the text, the script says I go. <laughs> I used to play. Sh- you know, I was going to say I used to play Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> I used to play Shakespeare, not in Shakespeare plays. But do you want to do the honors? I think I did the last one. Yeah. Okay. A new outbreak of terror. A zombie attack brings chaos to Harvardville Airport. Leon S. Kennedy and Claire Redfield, who fought the sinister Umbrella Corporation during the Raccoon City tragedy seven years ago, are back. In high-octane Resident Evil style, they're ready to battle a rogue warrior who is seeking revenge after his family was killed in Raccoon City. The deadly G-Virus is unleashed, and a new mutated monster goes on the rampage. Will Claire and Leon be able to terminate the virus before history repeats itself? I like how it says in high-octane Resident Evil style, 
like Leon turns to Claire and they're like, shall we do this in high octane Resident Evil style? <laughs> <laughs> oh, still, I know this is this this was at like the turning point for the Resi franchise, wasn't it? Because yeah. even though I, I went on to say that Resident Evil 4 brought me back to the Resi franchise, um, I quickly left because I never finished Resident Evil 5 and I never played 6. And this was basically when Resident Evil went all action-packed. And, you know, I would love for them to do a less action-packed Resi. But I guess we got that and Welcome to Raccoon City, the live, the last live-action one. So I don't know. Yeah. and I, Sunrise, I, sunset. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's interesting because Resident Evil 4 definitely was a split point. And while I think it is, it rivals 2 as being my favourite of the series... Um, and Resident Evil 4, you know, widely sort of considered one of the best video games of all time and, and really changed sort of action adventure games uh, forever, um, you know, in many respects, like everything from Gears of War and Last of Us and uh, Uncharted or, or anything sort of since has, has in many ways been influenced by Resident Evil 4. But I, I sort of feel like with this film, because it recognized that fans were some hardcore fans were maybe a bit knocked off with the more action focus. While this is a very action focused film, it's just like, Oh, okay, no, it's all right. We'll bring back zombies. Oh, okay. It's all right. We'll bring back Claire and we'll try and make it feel, you know, T virus, G virus, like the games beforehand. I think people were like, it's not Resident Evil without the zombies. It's just like, okay, we'll put loads of zombies in this movie and make you happy. But I feel like also this is where, I never really played the Resident Evil games for the story necessarily. I liked the whole umbrella, you know, uh, sort of background and maybe some sort of conspiracy and stuff behind that. But I think from, because Resident Evil 4 doesn't go too much in that territory. It's about you restoring the president, Leon restoring the president's daughter. So there is some of that, but that's kind of in the background. I feel like Resident Evil 5 sits revelations games all this kind of stuff this is where the franchise umbrella is no more but now bioweapons are in the hands of terrorist organizations so you have these organizations like will farmer and terror save and then later latterly tricell and i just it was the point at which unlike resident evil games where i'd be like i want to read all the files and find out the story when i played through resident evil 5 i was just like Oh, for God's sake, just another <laughs> file where it's like, oh, BSAA forces and, you know, anti-bioterror operatives and everything becomes more like militarized and my sort of interest in anything that was happening sort of fall, fell rapidly off a cliff and I just couldn't care about you know, any of these new like SWAT team army soldier types will be infiltrating and extracting this again. So I feel like there's been a, with Resident Evil seven and eight, uh, I've enjoyed them a lot more because they feel like they've gone back to their roots and they sort of cut quite a lot of that stuff out. And while there is still reference to that, it's, it's focused a bit more in individuals and not this like, Oh, bioterror is a global threat. And I sort of feel like what, the uh, Resident Evil series did and the creators, they look basically just saw 24 and they're like, we're going to turn Leon into bioterror Jack Bauer. 
and he's going to go mm-hmm. on all these adventures and stop terrorists. And I feel like this film and a lot of the stuff that comes on uh, in the series is very much like, oh, we're going to try and be like clever. We're going to try and be like political. Um, and it's just like, we're going to do all this stuff, much like when we watched Infinite Darkness, we're going to have all these like geopolitical trappings, but have no understanding of nuance. This definitely feels very much in uh, the starting point of where the Resident Evil series would eventually reach, you know, in some respects, it's Nadir. <laughs> it's funny because it's actually, as a concept, really interesting to put a full stop on the whole Raccoon City saga and then say what happens next. And yes, like to have a zombie making virus out there and what how the world and, and governments respond to that is really interesting. But as you say, it's, it's not really done with any nuance and it's mainly there to give the villains something to talk about before they inject themselves and turn themselves into a monster (laughs) (laughs) and um and yeah i mean since we're talking about what we feel about this film i really enjoyed the first 30 minutes which was like a mini zombie movie but then the next hour is pretty much all about that stuff you mentioned um there was some stuff i liked but i having watched this and having watched infinite darkness and they both have very very similar like final sections where there is a giant monster again we're in like the spoiler free sections but you do know resident evil games finish with a giant monster right yeah rampage into a lab (laughs) and i guess you know people could probably say the same thing about repetitive zombie films where like you've seen one wave of zombies bursting through a door you've seen them all but i guess for me there's something that's that i find that a more interesting and scary scenario than a monster who just keeps jumping out of the floor. He's shot until he falls over, but uh oh, he's coming back. <laughs> and then, you know, eventually he falls down a big hole or something. And for some reason, he doesn't come back. I guess it's heights kills these monsters. Gravity, my enemy. <laughs> and it's just become, again, back in the back in the day. A multi tentacle G monster, like the iconic William Birkin with the big eye in his shoulder and a big claw. That's an iconic image because you never really seen anything like that in a video game before. It just felt like it does feel like a nightmarish. There's that little bit of humanity there because you can still see his head. Um, but now they keep doing that, just different variants, and it's just not as interesting, I suppose. But yeah, I fully recommend like the first 30 minutes. And, you know, there's that barrier of the CGI not being so great. It's so funny to... These are mocapped films, but I feel they... Mocap only works if like the musculature and the clothing and, and the skin and everything else is also done well. But otherwise they just do look like sort of very solid things with like very human... It makes it makes all the movement look unhuman, basically. People are flapping their yeah. arms around, but nothing is really tracking with their skeletons. Yeah, it it definitely still feels like when you say like a, a long cutscene, it's because I think it's still using video game cutscene, as you say, like body motion 
it's like sometimes they look a bit floppy other times their limbs look quite puffy and mm. the way they kind of just uh, gesticulate is just a bit sort of it doesn't seem very natural and also like quite a few of the characters just look like heavily botoxed um even like even <laughs> like Leon, they are oh you know no judgment you know if that's what you want to do with your face but i feel like you know they're just like not really they all look like kardashians they're just sort of like particularly leon <laughs> is just not doesn't really move his face like at all even when he's shouting or or, or something um yes there is a bit when like a little girl at rani she um i think when she first sees a zombie or first sees like something absolutely horrific happen in front of her her mouth is screaming but there's no emotion really in her face and it looks pretty it looks more distressing than what she's looking at (laughs) but i agree i think the the first 30 minutes in the airport setting is kind of interesting it's it's a it's a new wrinkle to a resident evil setting and situation um there's some sort of you know effective action beats but it is also once they get out of the airport it's also the point where it's very easy to stop caring about everything that happens subsequently i was so perplexed that they're out of the airport 30 minutes because my my abiding thought of this film was it's all set in an airport it absolutely is not yeah (laughs) and i'm catching a flight tomorrow so um you know, this is perfect in-flight movie. What's going on here? Stand back! Move, move, move! Out of the way! Stand back! Move away from him now! Damn! Too late, he's dead. friend of mine who's a big Resident Evil fan as well and I he asked me he was going to watch this movie and he wanted to know my thoughts and I sort of said like oh yeah you know it's 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 pretty good it's like better than the Paul W. Sanderson movies and then like he watched it and then he came to me afterwards and was incredibly angry with me that I recommended this movie to (laughs) and watching it again now um I admit I was wrong 
Um, but also, I don't think he's necessarily right. I feel like it isn't good, but, you know, maybe I'm just a sucker for any Resident Evil 2 bits. There is, like, probably 10 seconds of flashback but freshly animated footage of Leon and Claire in Raccoon City in this movie, and I was kind of like, oh... <laughs> I mean, I loved how Leon and Claire first meet again in this film, where they basically recreate their first meeting in Resident Evil 2, yeah. where I think Leon goes, get down, and then he shoots a zombie who's about to get Claire. Yeah. Like, why didn't they get, why didn't they, like, meet up after Resident Evil 2? Do you imagine having that traumatising experience to be like, okay, well, like, see ya. I think I'd re- wouldn't I reconnect? I guess I have to have a tragedy with somebody and then see what happens they just they went their you know separate ways um and you know they make it sort of quite clear that leon became like a fighter and claire became like a, a rescuer yes. or a savior like that's their approaches so leon becomes the president's special agent to take out bioterror as you say you know as i said like you know bioterror jack bauer and claire joins this terror save ngo organization which is trying to sort of like uncover bio weapon development and sort of bring uh attention to these these issues which are plaguing society after the whole raccoon city uh situation maybe leon did sort of fancy claire but then claire got a boyfriend because like literally the first thing she like when she arrives at the airport she's meeting like this indian couple rani and uh rani's aunt and rani's and rani's aunt says you look tired claire and Claire says, um, blame my boyfriend. He won't let me get any sleep. I'm like, get too much information, Claire. <laughs> it's a child Claire, present. Claire wants to know, this friend of hers, that she definitely fucks. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah, we can get into a bit more sort of spoiler territory now that we yeah. know that Claire Redfield has a very active sex life. <laughs> Yeah, Leon's sex life is still currently unknown. Classified. <laughs> it's classified. Um, um, well, I, more than one Leon? Less than one? I don't know. <laughs> um, so the background to all this, there, the, the film is very sort of top-heavy with exposition. It's one of those movies where everything is told through news report montages. Um won't get into sort of too much bogged down into detail or, you know, the twists and revelations that, that come about, but well, basically, yeah, but I, I had to rewatch the start of this film mm-hmm. after finishing the film, because there's so much stuff revealed in this opening montage, which actually is also over the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I would say enriches the twists at the end, really. Like I forgot we see Curtis who's like, I guess, positioned as the main bioterrorist, like at the start in this montage. I forgot we ever saw him. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of important. Oh, but no. like I said, yeah. it seems that it's a bad delivery, perhaps. Yeah, it, it's, it's, very, it's very much tell, don't show. Yeah, it's dumped at the start. And, it's, you know, there's so many new names. So I, I can't imagine anyone who, you know, even like anyone who hasn't had been familiar or played resident evil games i just don't know why you would watch this movie in the first place but it's all centered around this airport which is in a place called harvardville and that's also where an organization called will farmer which is apparently doing human tests of t- 
T-virus or biological weapons in India. That's where their HQ is based. There's this Senator Ron Davis who is perhaps involved or at least is allowing this to go ahead. There's this big national pharmaceutical conference taking place. There's this NGO called TerraSave, which is basically sort of trying to stop... What's NGO again? Non-governmental organisation. Try and limit the amount of acronyms. We get a lot of them. (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. Um, Is that an acronym? (laughs) Uh, BTW, lol. Um, <laughs> by the way, laugh out loud. Leon sees Claire. You said you would BRB, but you weren't. Yeah, you went AWOL <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> so all these kind of groups, there's protesters uh, all converging on this airport uh, for you know, protesting against this conference, which is all kind of Will Farmer involved and the senator and stuff, because they're protesting against all this testing, because people seem to be aware that the government was maybe involved in the Raccoon City incident, where the whole city was destroyed to stop an outbreak. They are aware that Umbrella has dissolved as an organization. And clearly they're aware there are zombies because, you know, both protesters dressed up in zombie masks. It's pretty bad taste. And like Claire calls one of them out, but like, in this universe, zombies are are basically victims of a virus, so it is kind of like getting dressed up as like somebody who's had a horrible virus. And I don't want even to name any out because of bad taste, but it is pretty. Poor. I mean, I guess it'll be different if if you were diagnosed with something and then you ate people. So maybe <laughs> it's different, but it's very heavy-handed like the senator is trying to sneak out incognito from the airport wearing a baseball cap uh which was quite amusing <laughs> it doesn't hide him in the slightest because he he's a big man who looks exactly like colin farrell in the batman yes he's, um, he's got real big uh cobble pop vibes yeah how did you get inspiration for your character colin well i was watching resident evil degeneration one of my favorite films <laughs> Um, you big fan of the Resident Evil franchise? Franchise? <laughs> <laughs> There's more? Oh, bless. There's a video game? I mean, the lore of statistics, there's got to be somebody out there who's like only and favourite bit of Resident Evil is like this film. Yes. Yeah, so there's all these people converging and like the protest, this protester is like approaching the senator dressed as a zombie and then Claire's like, hey, that's not cool. Yeah. But then, like, he gets, like, arrested. I thought that's, like, very heavy-handed. I know that airport security is pretty, you know, intense. But he was just going to, like, wibble his arms at the senator. Um, and immediately, like, the cop puts him in cuffs. As you said, you're going on an airplane tomorrow. Just just get a zombie mask and see how, <laughs> how you do. Uh, yeah. But you'd have to get a passport photo for your passport. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I need that going through security. I think I'll, I'll put the zombie mask at at a at arrivals. See, it's at arrivals anyway. Security should be pretty lax, not departures. Remember, this this was seven years after September 11, and you know, yada yada yada. Well, did September 11 happen in the Resident Evil universe? Maybe Raccoon City was the September 11 of the Resident Evil universe in that respect. Make well, yeah. We're going down like a dark path. Again. <laughs> the dark web path. I'm sure there's Raccoon City uh, deniers and uh, hoaxers and you know 
all that kind of stuff out there. But all this I mean, is interrupted. Well, again, I was just thinking about what happened. I was thinking the other day about if like a major like nine eleven attack sort of happened at the same time as aliens arrived and confirmed their existence, what would be the top story? Probably the aliens. It's just as well you're not a newspaper editor. <laughs> you don't have to make that call. A coincidence, you know. It'd be. I know it looked like a death ray. It was. It wasn't. It was our hello ray. Anyway, sidetracked again. All this gets interrupted by a zombie attack. Uh, an actual zombie appears, not a protester zombie, although we don't know his politics. <laughs> and bites the bites the cop. The cop bites one of the senator's bodyguards. A cameraman lets the news broadcaster who's reporting on this just like get bitten as well. Yeah. Lots of biting. And some other guy is like, "Oh, we're biting people." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a completely healthy person. And then a plane crashes into the terminal, airplane style, and um, zombies start pouring out because there's a fella on the plane who's infected. Who's like, yes in league or get uh, I guess, I'm not sure why he gets infected, I'm not sure if that's revealed he knows Frederick Downing who's this British gentleman who's also working for Will Farmer. Yeah we discover that a lot later. That's not the name like William Farmer um, mm. that's just the name of the organisation Mostly do crops cattle and viruses <laughs> I've got a brand new DNA harvester. I'll give you the key. <laughs> uh, yes, I was a bit confused, like looking, stepping back. So there is a zombie on the plane and in the airport at the same time. Uh, but then like the a SWAT team comes in and Leon's there as well. And um, what's the name of the SWAT team lady? Uh, so Angela. there's Angela and there's also um, Glenn, the, uh, Glenn, the man. The jock who really wants to get eaten. It sounds like he can't <laughs> wait to get in there. Uh, but Angela says this this reeks of terrorism, and so but she's revealed to be right. I think. I mean, we're in spoiler territory. All these all the zombie outbreak starts deliberately, and it ultimately there is a bit of like twists back and forth, but. It's all. It's what do you expect? Which is that Will Farmer is releasing the virus to increase demand for the. Um, they don't call it antivirus. They call it vaccine. The, the vaccine. Um, yeah, big surprise. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like post COVID, especially, and all the kind of anti vaxxers and that sort of stuff, where. I get the, the the games and it's kind of like, oh, big pharma, government conspiracies and, you know, manufacturing viruses and vaccines and, you know, charging to the highest bidder. And, you know, this goes into like, you know, viruses on the black market, yada, yada, yada. And I kind of just like watch this and sort of feel like I, I'm not comfortable necessarily with movies where it's just like, oh, we got to blow this big government conspiracy and, you know, don't take the vaccine. It's all like... Uh, I don't know. Well, you're just you're just too deep. You're too you too, you love Big Pharma too much. I love Big Pharma. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, <laughs> shout out to GSK. There's a scene in the film like once there. There's a scene after the 
like I said, the airport stuff, though, it's basically... There's no plot. It's funny. There's no plot. It's really just trying to escape from zombies for that yes. section of the film. Uh, Leon and Claire meet. Yeah, uh, what Claire is brandishing. The only weapon she can have to hand is an umbrella, a red and white umbrella, which was amusing. She recognises the irony of that. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so there's this action... Oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Shall we like go through the characters a little bit? Because um, we mentioned in bits above. So in this airport, we have Leon... Uh, he's brought in, as he says, a special advisor to help the SWAT team. He says he only wants two other people in there with him to reduce the amount of infected people. Infectees is the word they keep using. It's like a word you don't often hear. Um, and then inside, the only survivors appear to be Claire, Rani, um, the senator, uh, what's his name, Davis, Senator Davis, a few like red shirts to get bitten, and. Is that all, I think? Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. And, yeah, I mean, this isn't really a horror film. This is more like an action movie with zombies in it. But I just, again, I liked this scene. I liked that when the plane crashes and all these zombies start spilling out, that was a proper, like, oh, bollocks moment. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's some, like, effective stuff where you do get a bit of, like, POV with zombies, like, biting at the screen. Yes. And, like, like when the characters are sort of surrounded by the zombies, I think, you know, it it recreates a certain amount of the threat you feel because I think it's very easy to think of, like, zombies en masse, it's easy to avoid, they're kind of stupid, they're kind of slow, but it's always about the sort of the sheer numbers and the relentlessness of them shambling around. And I think this airport sequence and the different, you know, components of it, you know, it does that pretty pretty effectively. I don't know how trapped you would be in an airport. Um, uh, there's those big windows, which I know actually go down. They're usually at some sort of height, but I don't know. I feel as a part of me, it feels like you could actually just, if there's loads of zombies in, these, uh, in an airport, you would... There's lots of exits in an airport as well, isn't there? <laughs> but hey-ho. Um, I liked bits like when Davis um, pushes Rani to the floor to make for an escape route. He literally like ditches her as soon as he can and uh, he waddles away. It's pretty good that like this is a film where the senator does get away, you know, like he escapes. You'd expect sort of like if he runs off on his own, it's yes. the kind of thing where he ends up like, haha, those fools, I left them behind. And then he like wanders into the wrong room and gets eaten by a zombie or something. But here he just like, I don't know, everyone manages to sort of, you know, finds... get out eventually, but not, he's like, what you, what took you so long kind of attitude. He finds one of the escape routes I mentioned. Um Yeah. Oh yes, and Greg, you know, he's the guy who says uh, he, how he can't wait to get in there and like shoot up loads of zombies, and he's the one who's like offloading entire clips into zombies. And Leon says, "No, go for the head." Um, but then Greg does get bitten, and I was expecting him to hide it, or like, "No, I can still make it." And no, he's like, "No," like in between him, like he gets a telling off from uh, Leon, and then he learns Leon and Claire where survivors of Raccoon City and then Leon saves him from a zombie bursting through a window. Um, 
And so in that five minute section, he now fully loves Leon and is going to marry him. Yeah. Yeah. Are you seeing anyone in the next five minutes? Because there's a zombie here. Yeah. So anyway, he, he turns himself around a little bit and sacrifices himself. I think I wrote here, like, I think Claire might be low key my favorite as an evil character because I mean, one thing reason we like Resident Evil 2. I think over the first one is I just think the character of Leon and Claire, and I might've mentioned this before, but I like the idea idea of this rookie cop and he's weighing over his head and Claire, you know, she's looking for a brother, but she also is the only one I feel like who's like, as you say, when she's given like uh, an, an umbrella to defend herself from zombies and it's red and white an umbrella corporation type umbrella. She's like, I wouldn't have expected this. She's got like a little bit of humor to herself. One would say is it appropriate think, to have humor in this sort of thing, but it makes her character more interesting. Yeah, I think it's a shame because like not a shame that Claire's like interesting, but more just I think with Leon, he's so like emotionless, and I know they want to make him sort of seem like oh, he's sort of like still reeling a little bit from Raccoon City in this movie. But in Resident Evil 4, and it was the same vocal performance, like he's more kind of sarcastic and a bit quippy mm. and and stuff. And so in this film, he's just like such a sort of boring, emotionless, like pretty boy. Uh, whereas Claire is got a bit of spark. She's she's sort of lively and engaged and interesting, and you sort of feel through her performance and also, you know, through the motion capture and animation that, you know, you sort of believe in the character a bit more as sort of like an actual person when she meets up with the senator after the airport she gives him a full-on slap and calls him a bastard and i liked that um but like hey leon leon does have some personality but it's on his phone it's it's hunnigan from resident evil 4 um Mm -hmm. she's like the only other i think returning voice actor apart from leon and claire and she's the lady who's basically your what would you call it? Your guy in the chair in Resident Evil 4, and she does a little bit of intel here. Um, but yes, having left the airport, this is the bit. We're talking about maybe the icky feelings you get about like, certain politics of these films. Like there's a section where it's revealed that Claire's or or what's it called? Terra save. Save. Yeah. Not terror, it's terra as an earth save. Uh, and save like quick save <laughs> she um it's her group apparently cause i think delays in some sort of supply chains which basically would have meant but long story short if claire hadn't been involved with this whole thing the antivirus the vaccine would have got to where it's needed to go sooner rather than later but it's also revealed yeah. at this point that they were that uh, Will Will Farmer was secretly developing a vaccine, and you think, why would he secretly de- secretly develop a vaccine? And I was and I was waiting for the end of the film where the big evil plot got revealed, and I guess it's revealed that they, you know, I get. I want to make it. Does, it's it's not that it's complicated. It's it's just it's confusing sometimes. Sorry, I do sometimes wonder if I'm getting thicker, but actually, I think <laughs> plotting. Can sometimes just be very confused. I think that's the yeah. issue, isn't it? And it is ultimately revealed that Will Farmer had the virus 
and the vaccine. And actually, I think every single lab in the world would have the virus and the vaccine because you do need that. But then Will Farmer, I think, was then deliberately releasing it. I think it was a line at the end where they reveal that all the events from like outbreaks, maybe even not from Raccoon City, but all these outbreaks are just a, a twisted sales pitch, they say. Um, but at this point of the film, it's revealed that they were keep they were making a, an antivirus in secret. And again, I was like, why would you do that? It's, it really seemed like Will Farmer needed good press at the moment. So saying you're developing an antivirus is probably a good idea. Yeah, it's... And again, I think like the Curtis, the terrorist, who is revealed to be Angela's brother. Yeah. Um, That's uh, the bit where I actually checked out. Secret brother shenanigans. I think it's... I think it's... You know, his m- motivations are a bit sort of muddy too, because he ultimately wants to take revenge. He blames the government um, for knowing what happened or their ties with Umbrella for what happened in Raccoon City. Uh, and his... Um, family died in the Raccoon City incident, so he blames them. And the way he wants to get back at them is by releasing T-virus and doing bioterror attacks or, you know, something along those lines. But then it gets a bit muddied in terms of, well, actually, is that Will Farmer who's doing that? Um, I don't know. It's, It's one of those things where there's a lot of bad people doing bad things and it's you know i guess we got to stop them in in some capacity so yeah that's it just, it just becomes <laughs> very convoluted and i just again didn't really care for for curtis like i said well again i think we like claire there's i don't know why claire and leon don't spend the whole film together because what happens is that claire and leon split up Claire goes to the Will Farmer building with uh, Downing. And again, we late, Downing is introduced as the head researcher, but then later on it's revealed he's the one pulling all the strings and he's the one doing these, releasing the virus for demonstrations because he's in con- he's in conversations with a General Grande, I think it is. General Grande, yeah. Big, big General um... That's from my like, Starbucks order. He's <laughs> like from a nondescript. I can't even remember the name of the country, but it's another made-up yeah. country. I think it's like Baraji as opposed to Infinite Darkness when we had Panamstan or yeah, something. Yeah, that's the one. I was telling my friend about Panamstan the other day. Um, he's going to go there for his holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Ticket to Panamstan. Um, but um, what was I going to say? There was lots of yeah. I, I want to say I appreciate, although the um, humans look a bit funny, the locations look great. I enjoyed this the sweeping shots of the architecture of the building, and they talk about how the building has is like an inflatable biodome, and I thought that's going to get deflated later. It's like, why would you say that? I I enjoyed the the giant tower and uh, that um, it reminded me we watched that Harry Partridge cartoon ghost bleed the bio horror which is very much like a parody takeoff on survival horror games especially oh, yeah. resident evil and there's just like this giant sort of satanic tower which is taking taking place and like the tower in uh this film looked exactly like that um but uh yeah so it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's enough setting i was doing that and then leon is going with angela to 
Curtis's house, which he's burned as like, I guess, I'm I'm burning my bridges. I'm going full tilt after Will Farmer. Um, but, you know, I just kind of wish they were together because Angela Angela has no personality, really. She's just like, she's a SWAT team lady. And yeah, it's just completely think- bonkers. That she There's, that the main terrorist is also her brother. <laughs> I think it's uh, one of those things where they're trying to or attempting to position Angela as a potential love interest for Leon um, to sort of get away from Leon and Claire being a thing. Mm. Um, so there is a sort of bit where they do sort of dive into some water because the whole place has been incinerated and they oxygen kiss each other um and then sort of at the end of the film it's very much like you know oh, maybe we should go diving together sometime and the way angela's dressed so throughout the film this is only like the morning after but she's dressed in this like sort of special response team outfit and then when leon and claire meet angela at the end she's let her hair down she's dressed like um the dead wife of the main character in a dream sequence in a sort of (laughs) 90s action movie, like very sort of like flowy floral dress on a cliff rock face. And you can imagine her sort of like beckoning Leon in a dream sequence in slow motion or something. But no, it's just like, oh, we should go diving together sometime. And just like, love to. And it's just like, ooh, is Leon got a girlfriend? Um, But who gives a shit? They never see each other again, do they? She never shows up I don't know. I didn't play Resident Evil 6, uh, and I haven't seen the subsequent Resident Evil CG movies, so who knows? Maybe we can look forward to many Angela adventures. Cut to, like, Leon answering his phone, wearing a scuba mask, like, in in his apartment. (laughs) Um, I did enjoy... You mentioned the incinerating building. When... um, the 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 announcer lady, there's like a like a robot voice announcing it. Um, she says to to the occupants of the building, uh, incineration will begin in five minutes. All doors are locked, and I thought that's pretty bad. That's pretty cold. Like <laughs> say like say your prayers. You got five minutes. Um, later on, though, when whole sections of the entire floor are disappearing into like a a watery hole to kill everything. Uh, she says, um, I think level four subver- sub level four submersion system will engage soon. Like that's you gave me five minutes for incineration, but you're pretty vague on like the submersion. <laughs> yeah. The building will self-destruct in a few minutes. Yeah. And there's a 10 second countdown. It will take. <laughs> it's like, oh god, I thought I had some more time. This uh, robot is AI, uh, you know, really rounds down as opposed to rounds up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, um, like, there's a... I mean, here's the thing, like... And there's, there's so much elevator use in an emergency situation. I know. <laughs> they keep on using the lift. It's not good. So, so Claire goes to Will Farmer with, with Frederick um, Don... What's his name again? Downing. Downing and but like it's so obvious that Downing's like a shit and so Downing gets a call from Davis and Claire asks if it would be a problem if she knew what they talked about and then Downing gives her gives her like a totally evil look and then goes no 
And then the next scene, he's like spilling his guts and telling her everything about everything. Though I guess later on we find out that he's not revealing that he is the big bad. But then it's very obvious that he's the big bad because he's like, I just need to go and check the servers for a minute. And then she receives a phone call saying, oh, my God, there's a bomb here. And then we see Curtis leaving with a suitcase, implying that he was leaving the bombs. Did he leave the bombs? That's where I'm confused because because there's yeah. there's two separate missions here from the villains per se. There is Curtis who wants to he wants to reveal to the world that the Raccoon City incident really happened and that was G virus monsters involved. He's giving them until midnight or something, and then he'll is that Eastern Standard Time or the other one. I I don't know. It's a uh, it, I think the uh, the idea is that he is stealing T or G virus from Will Farmer in order for him to release it everywhere. But well, that's, um, this is why it's really confusing because he he thinks the best way to reveal that this G virus and T virus stuff happened is to take it himself and go on a rampage. And yes, uh, yeah, it's it's very much like because my family died in a horrific outbreak yeah. incident i'm going to unleash horrific outbreak incidents it's, everywhere so that it will never happen again <laughs> it's very much like again this feels a bit icky fighting but, fire with fire yeah it's, it is like one of those 9-11 conspiracy theorists who say metal beans couldn't bend this way basically hijacking a plane and, and trying it on another building to and it's just like that's really confusing <laughs> yeah um but then it's co-currently the logic yeah co-currently the you know, the Downing and Will Farmer has its own agenda. I guess Will Farmer isn't all to blame because it is just Downing being evil. It just gets, again, I don't think it is that I'm stupid. That is a possibility. But I think it's more, it's just all the motivations are very confusing. Frederick confessed everything. He was also the one that provided the T-Virus to the terrorists in India. He even acted as the black market broker. He stole the T and G viruses, then escaped right before the Raccoon City disaster. But Frederick decided he could only sell them as a set with a vaccine. So, he erased his past, found employment at Will Pharma, and gained unrestricted access to their research facilities. He had the luxury of searching for potential customers while manufacturing the vaccine. This is how he stumbled upon General Grande. All the terrorist incidents were demonstrations staged for General Grande's benefit. Sort of a twisted sales pitch. And my brother was just a tool to them. He was used. This doesn't absolve Curtis of what he did, but we share something in common with him, and that's his passionate desire to prevent any further tragedies like Raccoon City. Yeah, and uh, like I don't know if Curtis has unleashed the virus within the center, because now all the scientists at Will Farmer are all zombies now. Um, oh, they're, they're the only zombies. Like that's, that's another problem I have with like the next hour of the film, like barely any zombies and. Yeah, I mentioned that at the start. I just wish there was zombie action throughout. But Curtis, he injects himself in the G virus, and G stands for gotta have a big eyeball. <laughs> so 
he then naturally sort of you know mutates Birkin style and wipes out a whole bunch of I guess SWAT team style people. Um, eventually, he then morphs into an even bigger monster with like big green chicken legs and a lizard and a tail. tail. Tell he he yeah. bounces himself up by slapping that tail on the ground. <laughs> Go flying. Um, his only weakness is a photo of his family. <laughs> well, so this is the thing. Leon confidently, without, I guess, any understanding of the situation, says to Angela, because Curtis keeps on coming after Angela, he wants you because of your blood connection. Mm. He sees you as a breeding tool. Ew. <laughs> Which, I, I don't know what Leon's relationship with his siblings, if he has any. he means breeding in that way. But you mentioned the character profiles on the. What, what you mentioned the character profile on the DVD, and for hers it says she is the blood sister of Curtis. I've never heard of blood sister out of like vampire circles. <laughs> but they want to make it very clear that they are related, you know, genetically, as opposed to like you know a stepsister or something but I think, like that. I don't know. Haven't you mentioned that the Japanese are very obsessed with like blood? I mean, that's why all the characters in the Resident Evil games yeah. they say what blood type they are for some reason. Yeah, blood blood type is is used very much as like a personality indicator as zodiac sign Interesting. Uh, in Japan. Interesting and a bit um, distressing, but still. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Well, but then anyway, like Leon says to Angela, that thing isn't your brother anymore. Curtis is dead. So maybe it makes it okay if they do shack up. <laughs> are, you, are you basically saying necrophilia cancels out incest? I'm just going by what the film is okay. saying. And also then the behind the scenes, the producers were like, yes, like Curtis is basically, you know, after Angela to breed with. But again, I, I'm very uh, much, I don't think he means it breeding in that way. It's like, I guess it's breeding the virus or something. Let's hope so. I mean, so. this is entirely unnecessary. He could just be a monster after them. They didn't have to mention blood or breeding, basically. <laughs> they could just say, he's a monster <laughs> after the only two humans it can see. I'm a monster. She's a woman. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> and is that how we were born? <laughs> yes, kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, as you say... Curtis like tosses Leon aside and that gives Leon an opportunity to do some rad parkour in order to get off a, a platform which is about to fall into the abyss. Uh, but the only thing that stops Curtis is that family photo uh, that Angela has dropped. And I like how he picks it up and shows his giant eyeball yeah. <laughs> the photo. <laughs> well, yeah. like You have to think, what does that eye... I guess that eye ball is a direct line to your heart and it's like the emotional center <laughs> the optic nerve yeah. is linked directly with the uh the left ventricle but um yeah i don't know it's just a trope isn't it again like why does a photo like why does a photo but also, and then like minutes after seeing least... that photo he then tries to pull angela down to her death like with his tail well also it his like vocal cords are still working because you know it's one of those things again where like the monster 
after growling for the past of 10 minutes, is finally like, Ron, I don't want to hurt you. I don't know. What would you be saying if you could speak beforehand? I'm going to get you. Ra, stop <laughs> running. Get over here. You elevator of SWAT team people are really starting to annoy me. I'm going to crush you. He he he. I'm going to breed with you. <laughs> well, do we have anything more to say, really, about this? Because, <laughs> well, yeah, so like uh, Leon and Angela are, are dangling and Leon's kiss offline is repeating a phrase that Angela said Curtis used to tell her, which is like, if you don't try to save one life, you'll never save any. Isn't that right, Curtis? And then slow-mo bullet shoots time him in the face. shoots him in the face and falls into the abyss. Leon and Angela sort of trapeze fall onto a platform to safety and land on top of each other and give each other a very long lingering stare uh, before Hunnigan interrupts. Also, just side sidebar, um, I absolutely thought Claire... Because I don't think we established, so Leon and Angela, they go to the same Will Farmer complex, but I thought they were in the same building, but they weren't. So there's a bit when like the whole building is catching fire and everyone's being incinerated. I'm like, is Claire in there? <laughs> but she was in, she yeah. was in a separate building. She's in the dome. It all looks the same inside. And they're in the tower. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, this is when they all find out about Frederick and his wily ways and they manage to catch up with him and confront him and arrest him. His last meal, cucumber sandwiches and some very milky tea. <laughs> <laughs> and a cream <laughs> And yeah, then we see that Senator Davis uh has we get some news reports again senator davis has resigned after being accused of insider training with will farmer you say trading general grand trading trading he said insider training <laughs> yes he's 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 getting fit yeah. <laughs> uh general grande attending some disarmament conference tricell uh ooh, new organization on the block we'll see more of them in resident evil 5 offers to buy will farmer and we see that Davis is actually dead and the files from his machine are being deleted in the process. We assume he's dead because he's in his chair, he's limp, his phone's ringing, he's not answering, he's got a newspaper on his face. But he, he's a large man and he could have had just a big meal. It's like, I know what would cheer me up. I'll have like a KFC sharing bucket all to me. Just out of shot, there's like chicken bones and everything scattered around. It's treat day. <laughs> oh dear. But then it closes with the wreckage of Will Farmer, the dome, and we see people in hazmat suits placing little chunks of G-Virus Curtis monster bits and pieces into Tricell branded suitcases, I guess, ready to use for their own wily ways in a future game or movie install. Does that come back? Do you do you well, get to the end of Resident Evil Five and like as as if you, I'm sure you've all watched Resident Evil uh, Degeneration, and uh, otherwise you're going to be completely lost. Uh, well, I think it's one of those things where 
if you don't know, if you haven't watched Resident Evil Generation, I think you can very comfortably play Resident Evil 5 because all you get from this is that Tricell is another pharmaceutical company and they may be bad. Um, so, yeah. I mean, my, my memory of Resident Evil 5 is pretty sketchy because I only played it once when it came out and I didn't play Resident Evil 6 either, um, again, because I didn't find 5 very interesting and the demo for 6 was awful and I just do not care about this whole bioterror. And, you know, once Umbrella disappears... I sort of, like, lose complete track about what's going on. Resident Evil Generation, yeah, it's... it's When people talk about video game movies and just say, oh, why would I want to watch just a big, long cutscene? Uh, Resident Evil Generation is... It's Zibid A! <laughs> <laughs> um, because, yeah, it's, you're right. The, the opening is a bit fun. Um, there is a lot of zombie action. It delivers some of the goods and what you would maybe hope for, but then actually the rest of the film plays out much like the story of a typical Resident Evil game. It's just you're no longer playing it, and so it's not very interesting. And it's a foregrounds all the stuff in the background which you can ignore while you're playing. Uh, here you're just having to like sit through a lot of characters doing nefarious stuff that I just have very little interest in. Yeah, I mean, we got our copies for 50p. So if you could find a copy for like 50p or less, I would actually recommend picking it up. I mean, this is like you're a big Resi fan, right? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Actually, if you don't like Resident Evil, there's nothing for you here. I don't know why you'd be watching, listening to this episode this far in if you're like not a Resident Evil fan. So, like, if you want to, if you get a 50p, you can watch the opening half hour as some sort of interesting historical record. You know, it is like the first feature length CGI Resident Evil movies. There was that. And I did find that opening half hour quite fun and then you know you can decide to watch the rest of it if you choose but uh yeah i don't think none of it is as good as that opening half hour sadly i did watch stretches of it in one and a half speed did um, you uh towards the end yeah i was a little bit kind of like come on come on guys yeah, like it did make some of the action a bit fun where like leon is like bashing his fist against some glass but in one and a half speed he's like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know it's yeah i was it's just sad i mean i, I will just say i was in the opening half hour i was like okay this is actually a lot better than i remember and then i sort of the rest happened <laughs> resident evil disappointment oh but maybe the other <laughs> cgi films are good damnation and vendetta uh yeah maybe and there is death a death island and death island exactly yeah right. which came out this year so you know there's still a lot of resident evil to watch <laughs> but um speaking of zombie movies with our next live screening of a film we're returning to what was it was the name of the island in the film isla de morta uh, it, yeah, Del Muerte, maybe? Which translates to House of the Dead. <laughs> well, that probably translates to Death Island, to Absolutely. Be fair. So, yes, we're doing a live screening at the One Up Cafe in Brighton of 
House of the Dead, the Urbol classic quotation marks and that is on the 27th of october uh we haven't done the web page yet but just keep following us on the socials which rory will mention in a minute and you'll get the details there you can find more information about the podcast and video game movies on our website gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on the various social medias that are still available, such as Facebook, such as Instagram, such as X. And uh, you can find us there at gamesonfilmpod. You can email us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Acast or Spotify or wherever. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. I am on X or Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, I hope you enjoy your holiday, Rory. I wish you a pleasant fright. But yes, see you all next time for another video game, movie, or TV show, uh, which is more likely than not to be a Resident Evil (laughs) duration. It's about 50 50 at this point. All right, then, take care. Bye bye. Bye.